calling tonight's 6 p.m. regular council meeting to order. Before we get going, uh, a quick announcement. <clears throat> if I can find it here, there we go. The city is experiencing issues with our video equipment that has resulted in intermittent recording of audio only. So during this meeting, should video transmission be lost, audio will continue to be heard and recorded and we're working on getting this fixed as soon as possible. Also, please silence your cell phones uh, if you have not already. We'll begin with an invocation given by Pastor Tim Klinkenberg from St. John's Lutheran Church to be followed by the Pledge of Allegiance led by Council Member <laughs> Kathy Tavaleras. Please stand. Thank you so much, Mayor. It's an honor to be here at the end of the year and the beginning of uh, the new year and, and think a little bit about where we've been and where we're headed. Thank you for this honor. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this evening at the time of the year where the days are shorter and cooler and the nights are long and cold, bless us with grateful hearts for the many people, events, and blessings of 2023. Also, Lord, remind us of the many challenges that we faced through which you led us that have refined our faith, our heart, our city, and our leaders. Fill this chamber with the spirit of the living Jesus, who was born so many years ago and who brought God's gifts of grace and faith and truth to humanity. Thank you and make mindful of our prayers this evening, all the police and firefighters in our city, all who work in our city offices and serve so diligently, all who serve in our military, both here and in
people in 200 communities throughout the state of California benefits of community choice aggregation. Here's how it works. Um, so a CCA, Orange County Power Authority, sources renewable energy for our customers. Um, and then we deliver that energy, of course, more renewable energy to the grid, and then the utility delivers that to your homes and to the businesses. They also bill you on a regular basis. So if you're an OCPA customer, you still get the utility bill, except where it, where it says generation, OCPA would be your, um, your charge. <laughs> 2018, the city of Irvine explored the formation of a CCA because they saw this as a benefit for their city and other cities. In 2021, Irvine um, was the first city to authorize the formation of OCPA, and soon after, Buena Park, Fullerton, and Huntington Beach joined OCPA. Here are the three energy offerings that we offer at OCPA. Basic choice, 38% renewable energy, higher than the local utility, and it costs the customer 2% less as the equivalent generation rate than SEE. Smart choice, 69%, and it's one cent per kilowatt hour more than the basic choice. So the basic choice is charged to everybody, and then the smart choice is an additive on top of that of one cent per kilowatt hour more. The 100%, of course, is 100% renewable energy, no carbon emissions, and that is a cent and a half more than basic choice. Here's just some highlights. Um, so we, we uh, launched in 2022, and we celebrated our one-year anniversary of launch uh, of our commercial customers in April of 22, of our residential customers in October of 2022. We are one of the largest and greenest community choice aggregators in the state of California. We were actually just recognized um, as one of the uh, largest in the state of, uh, in the United States, I'm sorry, in the United States, uh, by how many customers we have and how much uh, clean and renewable energy that we purchase. We have 200,000 residential customers and we have about 30,000 commercial customers. And again, I've already mentioned that we have three energy offerings and our basic choice is 2% less uh, than SE as the equivalent generation rate. So you're saving money as a customer and you're also getting more renewable energies. The other primary uh, reason uh, for CCAs is to reinvest in our communities. This is a not-for-profit. We're not a for-profit, we're a not-for-profit started by a city um, to achieve some of their, their clean energy goals uh, and also to reinvest revenue back in the communities to meet the goals of the specific um, uh, community. And here are some programs that we've launched and rolled out in our first year. We plan on rolling out a lot more um, going forward, but here are some educational grants, some grants for EV charging, um, heat water pump um, subsidies, um, some energy efficiency programs, and, um, and also programs for folks that um, are on um, um, care and uh, baseline programs, uh, low-income folks. This is our first power content label. This really tells folks what we've purchased on, on their behalf, and this is all of this is submitted to the state of California and certified by the state of California. So a couple of takeaways from this first power content label that we've, um, we've put out. We've achieved, um, a, situ we've achieved a, a position where we've exceeded all of our mandatory, state mandatory renewable energy goals and voluntary, um, um, voluntary renewable energy goals. Also, when you look at the portfolio as a whole, 95.6% renewable energy. You compare that against the, the local utility, which is at 33.2% renewable energy, and you see why we are one of the greenest. Also, the carbon footprint um, related to that is uh, quite low compared to SCE. 
Here's a slide that just shows you one of our member agencies, kind of a profile of one of our mem member agencies that is similar to your city of Orange. Um, you can see how many customers they have. Commercial participation rate is 91% in the city of Fullerton, 84, 84% uh, um, by residential counts. And you can see some of the, the carbon uh, emission reductions, um, uh, the, which is 102 pounds of carbon um, related to this program, which is the equivalent of taking 10,000 348 traditionally powered vehicles off the road. Here's some of our finances. Our 23-24 fiscal year budget, $329 million in net revenues, $288 million in non-operating and operating expenses. We've contributed about $40 million end of last fiscal year to reserves, and that should grow by uh, to around $80 million by the end of the next fiscal year. Why do we have such a positive outlook? Uh, we have affordable rates. Um, including the 2% lower on the basic choice. We have a solid financial plan, which includes uh, achieving an investment grade credit rating um, by 26, 27 fiscal year. We're also very, we have very competitive rates in terms of our rooftop solar program, giving more money than the local utility. And we have a solid um, procurement policy in terms of, and strategy in terms of uh, buying renewable energy. Here's more on our, our budget. Um, the takeaway here is that, that our fixed costs are under 5%, just around 5%, and a lot of it is, a lot of the expenses are related to the cost of energy. So we are lean. Here's a slide on, on how to become a member of OCPA. I think the takeaway here is that we don't want this to be the last conversation. We wanna have many conversations with you going into 2024. Uh, we wanna be a resource to you and your staff. Uh, for any questions that you have. Um, so we are here and we're available to have further conversations at committee level uh, with your staff and of course with you in the future. My staff and I are available for any questions that you guys have. Mayor, I have a question. Okay, Councilmember Tavalers. I just have one question. I was taking notes as you were talking and I see where you're calling um, OCPA a nonprofit, but I also understand from your figures that you have tens of millions of dollars in the bank. So with that in mind, since your only source of revenue is from ratepayers, how do you how do you explain that you're a nonprofit um, and you're collecting tens of millions of dollars? Right. Good question, council member. So we are in fact a not-for-profit, uh, and we re reinvest all of our revenue back into our communities. And so the strategy, our financial plan right now, is to achieve about. 40 to 50% of our operating, um, uh, operating expenses in reserves so that we can apply for investment grade credit rating. Once we have our credit rating, that will reduce the amount of, 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 of cost uh, that we have in terms of purchasing power. Uh, and then thereafter, all of the revenue is reinvested back in the communities. I have my chief financial officer here too. I don't know if you wanted to expand upon some of that in terms of our plan uh, moving forward. Um, of how we're reinvesting, but we are reinvesting all of our funds back in. Understand? I just, I guess, I have an old-fashioned view of what nonprofit is, and this doesn't sound like one. But if that's what you're going to call yourself, that's what you're going to call yourself. So. Yes, I may just add a little bit color uh, over that. Joe already said that um, actually we are not for profit, not non-profit, and then all of our net income will reinvest back into reserve, and mm -hmm. then all the reserve money will be reinvest back to the communities through energy programs. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Councilmember Dimitri. Yeah, real quick question. And just 
preparing for your presentation, went back and looked at your last board meeting, um, and in the treasurer report, they actually had a concern that there was an $11 million loss that was realized. Um, is that something that you're, you pass on to the, the rate payers, or how's that ab absorbed, or? So there's not an $11 million loss. Uh, it's in your treasurer's report on the last agenda. I think they're talking about the VAMO. Yes. Um, yeah. That is about, it's related to the VAMO, which is uh, one of the uh, power that we procure from, S, uh, from the IOUs. And then for that, it's not really a loss to us. It's just more like a versus budget is, you know, lower than what we expected. Due to um, that VAMO uh, allocation, it's tied to the 2023 PCIA benchmark. And then the CPUC just released the updated one, which increased approximately $18 per kilowatt hours for that. And then because of that, it's unexpected for us. And then it costs about $11 million to us compared to budget. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's energy that we purchased from, from SCE. Originally, the, 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 energy, the cost of the energy was $11 million less at the end. The PUC allowed them to charge more. Um, so it's not a loss. It's actual payment for that, that energy. That energy is still what we paid for it less than what we would have paid in the market. Cosper Abilito. Thank you very much. Um, in terms of a timeline, if the city wanted to move forward in examining this, when would the city be able to join? So that's a great question. Um, so um, the the only so there's a lot of process under the the, the uh, uh, under the state law that we would walk through with your staff and with you. Uh, but essentially, um, sometime between January and April, uh, we would want to basically start the process, include the process, um, so that we could basically start to, to get the approval um, of the Board of Directors of Orange County Power Authority, any kind of uh, ordinance that would have to be passed through your city council, that we would allow that to happen, allow that the season, and then also amend our implementation plan. There are also uh, other studies that have to go on uh, for Orange County Power Authority to look at the feasibility of including a, an additional member. So we would analyze whether or not Orange, the city of Orange would present a risk or a loss or a benefit to Orange County Power Authority. And all of that analysis would be introduced to the board of directors for their consideration. So then you're thinking like 2026. So under, under state law, um, if, so if we had this, if we continue the conversation and say, for instance, um, the city of Orange voted sometime at the beginning, middle of 2024 to join Orange County Power Authority. We would, before the end of the year, amend our implementation plan to include the city of Orange. And then 2025 year would be um, a lot of regulatory process and a lot of, um, um, a lot of process for, the, the, uh, for Orange County Power Authority to uh, adjust its forecast, to purchase the requisite power that would be needed for, for the city of Orange. And then in 2025, we would have the ability to launch the city of Orange, and we would work with you in terms of the optimal time to launch uh, the city of Orange. And we would also have our external affairs folks that are working with the city as well to communicate uh, and engage residents and businesses in the city of Orange. Okay. Um, I notice you have uh, three rates, three tiers of Correct. rates based on the percent of renewables. Um, do you charge what it actually costs to procure that power, or is one tier subsidizing another tier? 
So the, the rate design, which, um, which Tiffany can talk about, uh, in which we're actually going to the board of directors on the rate design for 2024, the rate design says that, that the basic choice is 2% less than the equivalent generation rate at SCE. We index off the investor-owned utility. Once we get uh, in the future, 26-27 fiscal year timeframe, we get that investor-grade credit rating. Um, um, we'll likely switch from indexing off the utility to a cost of service type of rate setting. But right now we do um, a rate design which is indexed off the utility. So 2% less for basic choice than the equivalent generation rate at SE. And then it's one cent more per kilowatt for the smart choice. And then one and a half cent per more for the 100%. Um, <coughs> we basically uh, adopt the, the rate uh, the rates of SE. So whatever rate you're on, again, 2% less as the equivalent generation rate, and then a cent more per kilowatt for smart choice and a, half, a cent and a half more for 100. Okay. Did I so, answer that question? Yeah. So, and I, I caught on to the nuance that um, that's going to change um, in 2027. So do you think that... that and that would be a choice, I'm sorry. Uh, that would be a decision for the board of directors. Um, it's it's something that that the that our experience with other CCAs that have gone for a credit rating that the the S and P has asked has required has seen a, a cost of service type of rate design um, as beneficial. So okay. it would be something that the board of directors would would approve. So based on um, obviously you go procure uh, renewable energy from uh, different partners that build solar farms or wind farms or something. Um, based on the marketplace today, do you project that the power authority will continue to be uh, deliver power less than Southern California Edison two years from now? Yes. We, we are very confident in our ability to stay lean and continue to be competitive uh, and continue to be affordable. Um, and right now, the discussion our board of directors is to reduce the rates even more so. And so we are we are working very uh, diligently to do that. Uh, right now, we're you know um, our most of our portfolio was purchased at the right time, and so we we definitely have uh, the ability to do that right now. Going forward, prices are high. We're hoping that as we go toward 26, 27, and further, that we see some more supply come into the market, especially because of CCAs that are bringing more generation into the market that we'll see the prices start to uh, stabilize. Okay, thank you. There seem to be a lot of uh, positives that may make this worth considering. Uh, my question is, are there other cities currently in process in Orange County? So there are other cities, um, yes. So more and more of my day is spent having conversations with cities throughout the, the county of Orange uh, from, from north to south. Uh, and some very good conversations. So we're very hopeful that in 2024 uh, that we will have more, some of your neighbors perhaps, uh, that are looking at OCPA and perhaps even voting to, to join OCPA. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions? Gosmer Gutierrez? Yes, thank you. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I'm just curious as an energy user, what does that look like for them? Does the infrastructure change? Is anything different? What, how does it get to that energy user? Good, um, good question. So, from from the from the consumer perspective, nothing changes except if you're a basic choice, you're spending less money. Your bill is less than it was before. 
Um, you're getting more renewable energy, so you're doing your part to, uh, to help move our, our, our communities uh, toward a clean energy future, and we're not-for-profit. So we're not, our, our shareholders are the folks behind me. We're investing in them. We're not investing in other, other shareholders. And so um, together, you know, we're only one year from launch. Uh, and so right now, we're starting to look at what is the community power plan? What is a, the roadmap for investing in our communities? What type of programs would be helpful to Fullerton, Buena Park, the city of Irvine, the city of Orange? What are your goals and how can we invest in, in your city? And so that's a conversation that CCAs have. It's not a conversation that you would otherwise have um, if you are just a member of the, uh, the investor-owned utility. So, so to answer your question, they shouldn't see anything because they'll still get the same bill. Um, it just have a different line item. Um, and uh, if they're a basic choice, they'll pay less. They also have the opportunity to, um, to go up to 100% if that's something that they want for a very competitive price. It's not an option they have right now. You're welcome. All right, Joe, thank you very much. It's very informative. Appreciate thank your you. time. Thank you so much. Well, I'm sorry, Councilor Gillenhammer, did you have a question? Oh. Sorry, Joe, I just have one question for you. Tiffany can come back up if you have a finance. <laughs> uh, I know I've already asked you about a thousand, so thank you for all of your time. Um, I, I just had one question as it relates to the board's decision-making process around what to do with that additional uh, monies over and above just cost of doing business, right? Um, is there an opportunity if there is a split decision on where those monies go, either to rate reduction for um, energy users versus community programs, the ability to split the decision on the board so cities can take their own path in, in determining where that additional funding goes, whether to rate reduction or to community funding? It's a great question. And, and I think that, you know, you would be in on the, the, the ground floor and trying to kind of broker that kind of, um, you know, that pathway, how that would happen. Um, right now we're investing um, about a million dollars in customer programs per year, not enough for just the three cities we have. Um, in, in fact, the city of Irvine alone has a lot of needs that are in excess of that. So we look forward to expanding that. Um, and when we get to the cost of service, if in fact we have a board of directors that approves a cost of service type of rate analysis in the future, it would be the customer programs, the energy programs team that are coming to the board of directors and saying, these are the types of programs that we'd like to see designed and implemented and this is how much it would cost. And so you would have a decision you know, um, each, each year on whether or not you want to fund those programs. If you don't fund, if, if the board doesn't fund those programs, then presumably anything that's, that's not spent would, would basically be saved for ratepayers. You know? And so if you look at Clean Power Alliance, which is the joint powers authority between the county of Los Angeles and the, and the county of Ventura, um, you can see their, their basic choice, it's not called basic choice, but their lowest tier that has a range of five to 10% lower than, than SE. Um, and so that's what you see when you have a, um, a rate, a kind of a cost of service rate design. Right now, we're putting a lot in reserves. 
so that we can build up those reserves and we can ensure stability in the future. And we also could basically um, get that S&P credit rating so that when we're basically purchasing power, uh, we don't have to basically use the bank's money to post collateral. So we're saving all of that. And we're also able to do business with more suppliers that will probably give us a better deal. So that 90% that uh, for energy is being reduced. And where is it going? That's a question for you in the future. Rate reduction. <laughs> Rate Thank reduction. You. Thank you. Thanks again, Joe. Thank you. One uh, real quick announcement. Um, we have a uh, department head, our library department head, Dave Curtis, uh, who is, uh, I understand this is your last meeting, Dave? Dave uh, has been here for seven years, correct? And um, he has left our, he's leaving our libraries in fantastic shape and just wanted to express uh, council's appreciation and uh, ask you to just stand real quickly and be acknowledged. Okay, is there any closed session items that need to be reported? Nothing tonight, Mayor, thanks. Thank you very much. So we are signed for public comments. Members of the public may address the council on matters not listed on the agenda within the subject matter jurisdiction of the city council, provided that no action may be taken on off-agenda items unless authorized by law. Public comments are limited to three minutes per speaker. And uh, I will call for the first speaker and then the next speaker, if you could please uh, come forward and be ready to go. Uh, we'll start with Christine DeLeo. followed by Jonathan Swaim. Hi, I am trying to get internet, additional internet in my neighborhood. I work from home, I have a right to work from home and I right to get good internet. Right now we have Spectrum, who is totally is increasing my internet service for the good internet service that they're providing. I've had two different IT guys check my internet. They have informed me I am paying for a fourth of what I'm paying, or I'm getting a fourth of what my internet service than what I'm paying for. And every time I call Spectrum, they keep giving me issue after issue, and they try to, they tell me it's my modem, it's my tower, they've replaced them, it's a clogged line, they clean it, but it's still the same. And I can't, I just lost four hours of work. And their solution was, because their internet service was down for six hours. And what I was told is after, four hours, they will give you a reimbursement for those hours, only if you request it. So I got the reimbursement after I requested for $3. Well, my four hours of lost hours at work was more than that. My company does not pay me because my internet goes down. And that isn't including prior to that, all the days that it's gone down. They just installed new lines in our right off our street, all the way up the blocks. My internet was down. They didn't warn us. They just, right in the middle of the day, that was it. It was gone. And then after they were done, I got a notice saying that the internet was going to be down. 
I can't keep losing hours. So what I'm asking is, why are you guys not allowing other internets into my neighborhood? I've called several times and I've told that Cox is allowed in our neighbor in Orange. No, they are allowed in Orange, but not in my neighborhood. That The city is stopping them. So I'm trying to find out why. Why does these internet companies get the monopoly? And when they get the monopoly, they take advantage of us. They keep increasing our costs and they give us not good service. You can't even use your phone in my house. I can't get on my phone and go on my internet because I have to watch that thing spin forever before I get on it. I pay good money. I work hard for my money. So. Again, I want to know why I can't get other internet. Okay. Our staff is here. They've heard you. So I would ask you to please contact our staff tomorrow, and they, I'm sure they'll have some answers for you. And who do I call? Can I get a card? <laughs> Thank you. But he'll tell me. Yes. All right. Great staff. I appreciate you coming. Thank you. Thank you. Jonathan Swain, followed by Doug Westfall. Good evening. My name is Jonathan Swain. I'm resident of District 1. I emailed all of council and city staff yesterday that I could find emails for, as well as state legislatures, anybody that I could find that would hopefully listen about the homeless along San Diego Creek and Hart Park. Uh, it was a lengthy email, but definitely not all I had to say on the topic, so I'm here tonight. I want to thank the mayor and council member Varios for your responses. I emailed the entire council because this is a matter that affects the entire city and you are representatives and advocates for all of us. I know that it was said that city staff and management would be directed to go out there and assess the situation. However, I strongly encourage you as council members to go walk the trail. Not with PD by your side, not in your official capacity, not with city vehicles, but as a resident of the city of Orange and experience how your constituents experience that trail. Because as often as, as, often, as soon as PD or official vehicles appear, things happen to seem to just clear up and people move along so you don't get the true experience. Um, however, let me caveat that, caveat that with saying when and if you go, don't necessarily go alone um, as it is not the safest environment to walk along. I'd be more than happy to join you if you wish um, and, and join you on that walk. You guys have my email, my phone number, my address, any other form of communication I'd be happy to give you. I understand that there's limits to what is in our control. What is not limited is your ability to advocate for the residents. This area is controlled by a minimum of four entities, City of Orange, Caltrans, County of Orange, and Santa Ana. It's very difficult to navigate who to contact. I myself have attempted to call Caltrans about their property, which is the embankment along the 22 freeway, and I've gotten voicemails to just saying, this position is currently vacant. No one will be responding to these messages. Please try again later. We need your assistance with communication with these other entities. Please be our advocates. And if you already are, which I came today with the assumption that you are, please communicate how and in what ways and what actions are occurring. Uh, I love the minute with the mayor, and I would love to see that have a homeless update as well so we can get that information out to the public. I want to again thank the Orange PD for all of their hard work and diligence. Uh, we've had them out for our neighborhood watch meetings. They've communicated that they are advocating for us and they're communicating with Caltrans and the other departments as well. Um, and they're working hard on the front lines of this. However, they are law enforcement and not policy makers, which is why I come to you tonight. I understand that this is not a quick fix issue and I appreciate your time and continued efforts regarding this matter. Uh, it's, uh, it's said that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So I'll be the squeaky wheel to you guys. And I ask that you be the squeaky wheel on our behalf. Thank you. Hey, Jonathan. 
What time you got tomorrow? I'll walk with you. I, I'm, I work from home, so. 10 a.m.? You call me, sure. Meet at Hart Park? Sounds good. Picnic tables? I'll see you there. I'll see you there, 10 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you for your uh, proactivity, Jonathan. Really appreciate it. Doug Westfall, followed by Paul Guzman. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, Council. Most of you know me for one reason or another. <clears throat> Today, the Orange Barrio Historic Society comes to you to ask for a historic barrio home on Cypress Street to be used as a public venue for lectures, programs, events, operations for all of Orange history. The home dates from 1888, even though the MLS says 1905, and I can prove it. Um, if you look at the very last page, you will see a map that shows from 1888, which I obtained from the Library of Congress, shows four homes where there are now only three. The southernmost home is now a parking lot, but it was there in 1888. Paul Guzman <laughs> is president of the Orange Barrio Historic Society, grew up here and continues to provide programs through our organization to Orange citizens. I'm Douglas Westfall, I'm a certified national historian. I've lived here for only 40 years, so I'm still a newcomer. Come on, get with it. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I've participated in historic events, programs, publications for the Orange community. The following request for the remainder of the pages is because Orange holds the second largest historic district in all America and is one of the few cities in Orange County that does now not have a historic home, nor has had for the past three decades, but we used to. Please consider one of these historic homes on the 100 block of Cypress Street, as they were purchased with federal funds during the Lemon Street parking structure build. Therefore, it will not come from city funds to do so. We respectfully make this request so the Orange Barrio Historic Society may expand our operations and continue to provide the rich history of Orange to our citizens. No questions. I like that already. So I said it all right, sir? Is that you're great. You still have a minute. If you're wondering why a six-foot-two white guy is on a Barrio Historic Society, I grew up in a Barrio. And when you're a six-foot-two white guy in a Barrio, you stand out. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Doug. Paul? Paul, you're up, and to be followed by Suzanne Tani. Please come forward, Paul. Thank you, Mayor, Tennessee Council members. Uh, President of uh, Orange Barrio Historical Society, we, I was established in 2004, uh, Arizona, so I have to give that. At that time, when we started our organization, we have been struggling with the city, county agencies in regards to the barrio. Not just on Cypress, but throughout the county. I'm not the only one that had run, run boldly up ahead in those issues. But when we formed the association society, we thought that people would accept us and leave us a hand. 
were mistaken. We had to struggle for everything we could get. We did, we just survived, but we established our proud citizens of City of Orange, and not only in Orange, but throughout the county, they were striving and to know their history in California. My history is their history. It is your history. I can go back to the 1850s and tell you who settled here, who got married here, who they came from, not only our people, the Lutherans, Germans, Italians, everybody here had a place for each other. During the years, it was not a struggle between philosophies of people. It was a money angle. They needed cheap labor. First, the Chinese came, the Japanese came and did the labor. In the 1880s, when Blossom and Orange County was expanding, they planted all the areas they could plant and bear the fruit for the country. What did they do? They couldn't, they couldn't chip it out. They had to bring railroads, 200 miles of railroad in Orange County. Who built them? Chinese, Japanese. Chinese and Mexican workers. <coughs> That's where the first established communities in the county. So Mexican workers and the railroad. Then came the workers to pick the fruit. I'm sorry, I've took too long. Okay. So there is a history, but where do I read it? Where do I find out what it's all about? No Please place. conclude. I'll give you another 15 seconds. So I'm just asking and with Doug if, if we can find a place, a home, where these people can come to and find their ancestors, their worthwhile lives in Orange County. That's all we ask. We will do the rest. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Guzman. <clears throat> that concludes uh, our public comments. Uh, we'll move to our consent calendar. Oh, what? Susan Tanny. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> jump, keep, keep wanting to jump ahead tonight. Last but not least, right? Susan My first Tanny. time at City Council, and I'm going to speak twice, so you guys are in for it. Okay. So I'm Suzanne Tani. I'm a resident of the city. Um, and I wanted to uh, let you know that the city's decision, uh, oh, I just had to edit my comments because I had to split it into two pieces. Okay, I'm very encouraged to see the Orange County Power Authority come and talk to you all today, and I'm glad for the dialogue you've been having with them. This is super exciting. Um, I think this is critical. This organization is critically important in that they offer OC energy choice. Um, I believe giving our community a choice on where they source their electricity is important to many residents. 
Um, and, uh, and those who want cleaner energy will, for the very first time, have the opportunity to choose a plan that's up to 100% renewable. Um, as a sustainability advocate, I'm very passionate about this, and I'm excited for you all to be um, seriously considering this. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Suzanne. Okay, that concludes our public comments, and we'll move on to the consent calendar. All items on a consent calendar are considered routine and are enacted by one motion approving the recommended action listed on the agenda. Any member of the city council, staff, or the public may request an item be removed from the consent calendar for discussion or separate action. Are there any items that any council members would like to uh, remove for discussion? Mayor, can I pull 3.14? Okay. Anyone else? We have a motion uh, by Councilmember Dimitriou and a second by Councilmember Gutierrez to approve the balance of the consent calendar items. Please vote. All right. Councilmember Gutierrez, can you please vote? <laughs> That's approved uh, seven to zero. Thank you. Okay, item 3.14 <clears throat> is rejection of all bids for community development block grant, El Medina Basin Public Restroom Improvement Project. Um, Councilmember Gillenhammer. Yeah, to what the mayor just said, this is the rejection of bids for the Basin Public Restroom Improvement Project, and it's the adoption of a resolution to authorize the use of, the, of city employees to perform site preparation and installation for the project. This is an action from the Public Works team to save the city a couple hundred thousand dollars based off of the, some of the findings from some of the bids. I just wanted to pause and say thank you uh, to the Public Works team we could have come back and asked for the additional funding uh, to continue on with some of these bids, uh, but we found a way to do it within uh, what we estimated the cost to be. Um, and I just appreciate uh, the Public Works team taking this on. That's all. I'll motion it forward. Thank you, Councilmember Gillenhammer. We have a motion from you, a second from. Can I just add, Mayor? Yes, you may. I also appreciate Public Works making this timeline shorter. So I would greatly, I, I know that we're going to shorten the time just a little bit by doing it in-house. So that makes my community in Val Medina very appreciative. Before we vote, I, I'll just uh, chime in real quickly. What does uh, perspective timeline on this? Uh, Mayor, uh, members of the council, um, we, we ex still expect that because of the manufacturing time for the actual bathroom, um, that the project will likely not be done until fall of 24. It's a 10-month procurement for the bathroom itself. Uh, the installation will be fairly quick, but um, just actually having the bathroom built, um, that we're expecting it probably be not until fall. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, please vote. Seven to zero. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, next is uh, reports from Mayor Slater. So we have the, uh, let me find the list here. 
deployments to um, county and regional agencies. Uh, before we get to that, uh, just a real quick uh, announcement that we've, as you know, we've received many fantastic applications for, to our San Diego Creek Commission, new commission, and um, I will be reviewing those um, later this month. And I'd ask you all to review them as well and see if there's someone that you would like to nominate. And, and please let me know, but I'll get in touch with you and we'll chat about it. So getting to the boards, committees, and commissions, um, uh, I talked to all of you and you're happy with uh, the way things are. So I see there's already a motion from Councilmember Demetra and a second from Councilmember Gutierrez. Anyone have any other comments or for discussion? Seeing none, please vote. As approved unanimously, thank you. Reports from council members. Um, before we get to uh, council member Gillenhammer, does any other council member have uh, any items they want to like to report on? Mayor Pro Tem Barrios. I just wanted to note for the public who are watching that um, OTPA had its annual holiday decorating um, contest. I had planned to show you slides for all the beautiful and amazing homes. My favorite, if you haven't seen it, is on the 200 block of North Pine Street, which is the Die Hard Christmas special home. So I encourage you to see it, but you can find all the houses and all the winners on otpa.org. Um, and there are some really, really outstanding, beautiful homes in our neighborhoods. And uh, if you think people went all out at Halloween, you should see what they do for Christmas. So I just wanted to share that with the public. Great. Thank you. All right, uh, so Mayor. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to invite the public tomorrow for the meeting at Grijalva Park to talk about the skate park. Um, it's very important that you all come out. The meeting starts at 6 o'clock, correct, City Manager? Um, to give your opinion, uh, Goodline, uh, good I believe, is, is the... If you'd come, like, come up, Leslie, I just want to make sure that the public knows that we are having this community meeting uh, to, li to listen to the community and well as listen to the, um, what is it, the developer of the plans. So it's at 6 o'clock, and I invite everybody to come out to Grijalva tomorrow to talk about our fantastic skate park that will hopefully come in sooner than I expect. <laughs> you like the way I push the suit? <laughs> yes, we do invite everybody. Uh, Grindline is our designer, and this is a great opportunity to provide inputs on what kinds of features you like at our skate park. Leslie, before you go. Uh, so Leslie is our community services coordinator and just wanted to again publicly thank you and your staff for the excellent job you did last Sunday, Sunday before last on the tree lighting uh, event. It was came off without a hitch and as usual, it was fantastic. So thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Anyone else? All right. Council Member Gillenhammer is going to talk about proposed sustainability group update and a sustainability plan. You're on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'd love to talk uh, today a little bit about a sustainability group that's been meeting over the last six months and just give an update uh, over what we've been doing um, and uh, just walk through a, an ask for everybody. But uh, before I jump in, I think we have a handful of public comments or speakers that if uh, they wanted to uh, take the stage and walk through their comments, I'd give them that opportunity first. 
Great. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we have four speakers. Uh, first one will be Jake Comer to be followed by Elizabeth Spicer. Hello, City Council members and Honorable Mayor Slayer. As the chairman of the Orange Sustainability Group, I am here today to support a partnership between the City of Orange and Chapman University to create a sustainability plan that will be developed by Chapman students. Um, this partnership is a win-win-win. It'll provide a great experience for graduating Chapman students, strengthen the city's relationship with the university, and provide a community-driven strategy and implementation plan that will help bring clean air, safe streets, clean energy, and economic benefits to local families and businesses, all at no cost to the city. Sustainability plans and similar climate action plans are currently being pursued by neighboring cities such as Laguna Beach, Irvine, Santa Ana, Costa Mesa, and Buena Park. Other cities have paid $400,000 or more for consultants to develop similar plans. Buena Park is actually voting at their council meeting tonight uh, to approve a budget in the amount of $375,000 from the city's undesignated general fund balance for the preparation of a climate action and adaptation plan. So. Um, an orange sustainability plan would also take into consideration our residents' needs through workshops, surveys, and comments. The Orange Sustainability Group will work alongside the Chapman students to help reach out to our fellow neighbors to ensure their voices are heard. Once the city adopts a sustainability plan, it will allow the city to be much more competitive in applying for sustainability and environmental grant funding, especially when considering the development of similar plans is currently being done by so many adjacent cities. This plan will serve as a blueprint to help our city reduce emissions through various policies and actions the city council can choose to enact or take, including the planting of more trees, improved public transit, safer roads for pedestrians and bicyclists, building electrification, more EV charging stations, etc. The Orange Sustainability Group has been working tirelessly over the past year to provide this city with this wonderful opportunity. We've even received the help from a Chapman student intern, Leslie Perez, who is anxiously awaiting city data to begin preparing the greenhouse gas inventory that will serve as the basis for the sustainability plan. The second topic I'd like to share with the council and public is another great opportunity that sustainability sustainability group has been working on the city of Orange. A community solar workshop held at Chapman University on March 2nd. And I have some flyers and I'll be handing some of these out to everyone. Um, and also email to the council as well to share amongst um, their constituents. This workshop uh, will provide Orange residents educational workshops uh, and access to group pricing discounts for solar power, battery storage, and EV chargers. Residents can get to know pre-screened solar contractors while learning about the installation process and all the wonderful cost incentives available like a 30% federal tax credit. This is March 2nd at Chapman University. And I would also like to invite the council and mayor to our next sustainability group meeting on January 31st and proceeding monthly meetings thereafter. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jake. <clears throat> Elizabeth Spicer, followed by Johanna, I'm sorry. We have two Spicers, Elizabeth Spicer and then Johanna Spicer. Good evening, Mayor and Orange County City members. As a mom, I fully support the development of a sustainability plan in partnership with Chapman University students. Seeing our community come together and tackle the climate issue that affects us all gives me hope. I would like you to close your eyes 
and imagine what a new, more sustainable orange could look like. What I can very vividly imagine are more people out there walking and cycling. This is why I'm asking you to include in the plan the building of more and safer cycling paths. I would love to see more of our neighbors, regardless of their income, switching to bikes for their daily errands and commute. It's not just about lowering emissions. It's about making our city a safer, healthier, and even more enjoyable place to live. Let's show our kids and grandkids that we are serious about pr protecting our environment and their future by making these changes now. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Johanna Spicer, followed by Suzanne Tani. Dear Mayor and Council Members, um, please support the creation of a sustainability plan in the City of Orange. I think this is something that our city could greatly benefit from in the many ways that Jake and Elizabeth have um, talked about. Um, we can also see from quite a few comments that were submitted online that there is um, a lot of residents in our city that do want this and um, would support such a plan. We have a responsibility to each other as well as future generations to move towards a more sustainable way of life. I believe that it would be beneficial for a lot of these changes to come from the community and city level, since this would allow for communities to incorporate issues of sustainability into their city in a way that suits their own community. So that's why I think um, from a city level, this is really something, especially now, that um, would be great if we could start to address it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Suzanne Tani, followed by Lexi Hernandez. Hello, I'm also talking about the sustainability plan. I want to echo Elizabeth's uh, messages. I have tried to ride my bike and walk around the city as much as I can, um, and it's scary as heck. Um, seriously, it's not something that faint of heart will do. So I'm very excited and would love to uh, work with whoever wants to to uh, focus more on active uh, transportation in the city. I know there's other cities like Costa Mesa doing it. Uh-oh, I'm using my time. Okay, so I wanted to say that I'm thrilled that Chapman College is offering to take the lead on cre creating a sustainability plan uh, for and with our city. We have all experienced extreme weather and increased wildfires. Um, I have had many friends who have had to leave their homes due to wildfire threats, some multiple times. It's extremely stressful. Um, one of my friends had to pack up her elderly, demented mom, her children, her pets, and find a place to house these people um, without any uh, notice. So it's uh, not something we want to see happen, and they say it's going to happen more. So we really need to do what we can, and a sustainability plan will help us get started in thinking that way. Um, one of my friends, oh, sorry. Um, 
And worse, I wanted to say those without homes. I know people are upset about homeless, um, but I'm upset about the fact that they're out there in the heat and the severe weather, and it's uh, nothing anybody wants to do. Um, so thinking about them, um, I happen to have the blessing of solar panels and heat pump and a place where I can go and retreat from, from the adverse weather, um, but not everybody has that luxury. So I work with a CASA youth, a foster youth, and she told me about her situation. They live without air conditioning. Um, they don't have any, uh, they have very little airflow coming through where they live. And she said that when it gets hot, she, she sleeps on a chair in the living room. That's not, not how we want our citizens to uh, live, right? So anyway, I have 46 minutes. Okay. Um, let me just get to the punchline. Okay. Um, we, we all want to do our part. There's so many of us, my neighbors, when I talk to them, my family, to stop global warming. And I know that they will be proud of the city for taking this action. Um, and just wanted to point out it's also a smart financial decision for the city. There are historic funds available for cities that can show they are prioritizing climate and have a plan to effectively use the funds. Having a sustainability plan will make our city competitive for those funds. Thank you for your time and attention. And that's all for me tonight. Thank you, Suzanne. <clears throat> Lexi Hernandez, followed by Jeff Stoddard. Hello and good evening, Mayor Slayer and council members. My name is Lexi Hernandez, and I am a Orange resident, uh, District 3, and also a Chapman alumni. <coughs> and I'm here tonight to speak with you all about the sustainability plan. Um, so I also, in all my free time, work for Climate Action Campaign, which is a local climate policy nonprofit. And we work with cities throughout Orange County and San Diego County on local climate policy that they can put into action that will help create a climate safe and resilient future for all of their residents and businesses. So in this process over the past couple of years, we've been working with multiple cities throughout Orange County to develop climate action plans, sustainability plans, and overall plans that are going to ensure that we are preparing for climate impacts and also positioning cities to be competitive for all of the climate funding that is coming out from the state and the federal government. Um, during this process with many of the cities that I've worked with, they do not have the luxury of having a um, great university just right, you know, a stone's throw away that want to work with them on plans like this. In cities like in Irvine, for example, tonight, um, they've already approved the development of a climate action plan and they are, they also are considering approving additional funds on top of the 400,000 to further develop their climate action plan. Buena Park did approve tonight 300,000 to develop their climate action plan. So these plans are really costly, but cities are taking this jump because they know that one, residents really care and they wanna see that their city council members, their decision makers do care and are aware of the issues that climate change poses. Also, they wanna make sure that the city is resilient and ready for any climate impacts that may be coming. And also that the city is planning for how that you know, to get residents engaged in this process when they do want, you know, to do things to reduce their own emissions on their own, but maybe don't know what those first steps look like. 
Um, so cities are taking this step, and the great thing about being in Orange is that we do have the opportunity to work with Chapman University. You will be working with uh, the senior graduating class of environmental science students. I may be biased because that was my program, but they are wonderful students. They've developed similar plans, like in Costa Mesa, they developed the nature-based solution plan. And this would not be another wonderful opportunity to strengthen relationships with Chapman University, develop a really great plan that fits the needs of the council members as well as of the community since you can kind of direct what the priorities of the plan would be and also use to then apply for competitive funding such as the Climate Planning Resiliency Grant, which the county is currently um, going through the process of who they will be recommending for state funds and other grants that will be coming out and rolling out in the next couple of years. So thank you all for your time. Thank you, Lexi. Jeff Stoddard. I guess I have the old eyes. I get to use my glasses. So I'm Jeff Stoddard. Uh, thank you for hosting me here, Mayor and City Council members, staff. I wanted to talk a little bit about the sustainability plan and just a little bit about what the OC Sustainability Group is doing. I'm the, I'm the vice chair. So uh, to get to it, we, uh, one of the things I wanted to emphasize about the sustainability plan, there'll be no, it's a non-binding plan, it's an exploratory plan, and so the city would not be bound to this legally. I think that's sometimes a concern of a lot of cities, is like, hey, what are we doing? Are we committing our city to anything? This is actually more of a framework that the city can operate from and also use as a vehicle to secure more funding, as my colleagues have talked about. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knew this is a non-binding plan, okay? And also, just so you know, the students at Chapman and building this plan, they're not allowed to make a binding plan. The Chapman University wouldn't even allow that. So just, just if anybody had any concerns on that matter. I also wanted to talk a little bit about a program that we've been working with uh, some of the now developers in this city called SOMA. And I don't know if all of you have heard of it, a couple of you have. That's solar uh, on multi-family affordable housing. And I think, Mayor Slater, you were involved in the announcement of a new project, the Knowles, which is an affordable housing project in Orange that took advantage of SOMA. And they were able to put 1,400 solar panels on the dwellings of the people that live there. It's an affordable housing unit. I think it's 260 approximately, sorry about that, uh, units. And it is dropping the utility prices for those residents by 69%. The project was 98% funded by the state of California by this program. And so this is available to, uh, we estimate 21 different multifamily affordable housing developments in the city of Orange. Um, I've already been talking to one developer. They already have solar on a couple of their projects. They're putting solar on a new project that they're building. And we're trying to see if we can uh, apply for SOMA, even though the project's not done to position them to put solar on using the SOMA program. So I wanted to make you aware of that because this is an example of monies that are available that are targeted towards sustainable projects that are helping our residents already. And I, I think I kind of come at this from a different perspective. I think it's important to look at the climate, but I also want to look at it from a fiscally responsible standpoint. What can we do to help our, our residents, your constituents save money? and take advantage of programs that are there for them. Sometimes they don't know they're there. Sometimes the city doesn't know they're there. 
And that's part of what our group is doing, is trying to shine a light on those things that will help both the city and our residents save money. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right, turn it back to Councilmember Gillenhammer. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so I've had a chance to meet with uh, these residents and a handful of other residents over the last six, seven, eight months. Um, I just wanted to stop and say thank you uh, to those that were here today and to the others that weren't able to make it today. Um, just for their time and their effort and looking for ways to help, they clearly have a cause, uh, but I think they're doing something with a high level of integrity and ownership, um, that they're giving their time um, and they're working together and they're not putting this problem at the foot of the city for the city to solve for what they deem to be a problem for everyone. So I think there's a lot of integrity and ownership with this group and I just want to say thank you to them. Um, I, two examples were brought up today um, of exactly that. So Jeff just spoke through uh, SOMA. Uh, he spoke through how he is taking action um, from a volunteer perspective to identify opportunities to reduce rates for customers uh, or residents that are living in some of these housing projects. City's not involved. Uh, solar workshops, uh, one in March, that's just an educational component to residents to identify opportunities to get solar if they want to and then find rebates or discounts for them if they want that. City's not involved. Uh, so this is uh, volunteerism and time given by a group of people that are invested um, and I just want to say thank you to them. I think uh, being a part of these meetings, I think it's been clear that um, there is, there is uh, a clear understanding of the fiscal and financial impact of anything discussed in this space, um, and there's a clear understanding of where the city's at in this space. Um, and I think the predominant discussion is focusing on ways to educate around sustainability, find opportunities to create value and get access to grant funding, um, or bring additional money in, um, and all of these kind of having that sustainability focus. So I just wanted to say that first. Um, and then secondly, I want to transition into the topics uh, around the concept of a sustainability plan, uh, what that is, how it would look like creation, and why would we do it in the first place. So um, residents did a good job of kind of describing it, but I'll just state again what a sustainability plan is. Basically, it is uh, an opportunity to put different strategies together that will focus on um, emission reduction uh, in energy and transportation, waste management, um, land use, etc. Um, and it's an opportunity to put together a number of actions that would help create a potential uh, menu of options or game plan for how to, how to make progress in that space. How would we go about doing this? Um, as stated, uh, there is a professor and group of students within Chapman um, that, that are going to do a senior capstone project uh, throughout the spring. This group uh, have done various projects in the past under this professor. Those projects have been sustainability assessments for the university itself, um, solutions for the uh, city of Costa Mesa, an environmental audit for the Honda Center. So they've taken on these type of larger caliber projects in the past. Um, and they uh, would like to volunteer their time to develop something like that for the city. As stated, other cities are paying upwards of half a million dollars to put some of something like this together. 
Um, and this would be uh, something that uh, we engage uh, Chapman professors and students in that would be zero cost to the city to, to bring this uh, action plan or menu of options together. Uh, why? Why do this? Um, so I think there's a number of reasons to do it. Um, the obvious reason is uh, actions that we can look at uh, from a sustainability perspective. Secondly, um, there is a lot of money available currently. Um, Inflation Reduction Act, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, um, there's a lot of federal and state money out there. Um, I don't know how much we know about that money, and I think this gives us an opportunity uh, for residents to engage in what is out there. Also, the fact that we're just doing this, if we get into some of these grants, puts us in a different placement and overall scoring in the ability to get some of this grant money, the fact that we're even moving in this direction. So it opens up avenues to secure potentially additional grant funding in the future. Um, it will give options for our residents uh, to look at how they can look at resource reduction and save money. Um, and then I think uh, Jeff stated something, it's a non-binding plan. It's a menu of options for us. It's for us stepping into a space and looking for uh, some of these options for us. Um, and I think another thing to state too is in the creation of this plan, um, I think it's gonna be important that everyone has an opportunity to provide input. And I think the group of students that would be putting this together is asking for any input from any individual on this council or any resident that would want to put any input into the plan itself as well. So the plan itself could be uh, indicative of what we want to be focused on. So. Ultimately, the ask here uh, is going to boil down to um, giving that environmental science and that policy capstone class access to some city data so they can get the initial information they need to kick off um, what they would be doing, which would be a three-month-long commitment in their own time to bring this plan together, um, which the city could use and the sustainability uh, committee could use as a menu of actions that they can invest their time in, in actions around. Um, and in between that time, giving us access to provide input to the plan and to that group. And then on the completion of that, that team would come back uh, end of May or, or towards the May timeframe and then just share that completed plan uh, with everyone here. So. Just wanted to walk through that, um, see if there's any comments or questions. Um, leave it there. Thank you, council member. That's a very thorough report. Have a couple council members that have questions, I believe. Uh, start with Mayor Pro Tim Barrios. Yeah, I would just say, as they say in my, my business, you bury the lead. So you should have started with free, and we could have just zipped right through this. So just um, if anyone, if all of any of you have been following city council obviously our city is in administratively a little difficult position in terms of paying what Irvine can pay for that kind of and it doesn't these kinds of plans and it doesn't mean that we're not really supportive of these measures and that we applaud the work that you've done and we're so grateful for it because um, it's a whole new world for our city to be even thinking about these things but the fact that students are willing to do this under a professor's leadership and that we could do that I would think that what you're asking for is maybe a recommendation or a direction to staff to come back in our January meeting with an agreement of some sort of like what those parameters would look like because um, this would be a plan that we would formalize and use for the city 
Um, I assume they want to get done before May, because if it's capstone, they're probably all graduating. So, um, but, you know, and I know that there is a lot on our city staff's plate right now, but. 170. Uh, I'm sorry, what? 170. 171. Uh, items. Mm -hmm. Items, council requests, <laughs> jobs, and stuff. So, uh, so something free and somebody else doing it would be. It depends on the staff time. And right. Councilman and I had had a talk, and, and, and I'm, you know, quite frankly, it's not whether we support or not, it becomes the work capacity. Sure. Uh, in 20, 2023, we did 23 ordinances, either modifying, creating, or uh, making amendments to. We have five additional groups that, that we're getting a lot of requests from. Um, if council should give us the direction, we'll do it. But I also want to make it kind of, I'm going to need some direction because um, on how to prioritize what what's coming well, down absolutely and, 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 and I think that that's absolutely fair my big fear looking at the new legislative cycle out of Sacramento is that this is going to be demanded of us um, and so if we let the opportunity pass by when we can get help that can do it that we will it'll be imposed upon us when we don't have help so absolutely as long as everybody is is eyes wide open that if you ask me for something as staff, we'll try to get it done, but we'll say we may be working on this. And that's, and that's, I think, all, that's all I need. I think that that's fair that you're giving us that fair warning. So, and at the same time, looking at some of what some of our issues are right now, if this is something we can put into place, as um, Councilmember Gillihammer said, could help us find other funding sources for other things and puts us in a better position for those items, that's important too, because we've never been proactive like that. So, thank you. I would be supportive, I guess. Councilmember Gellinari, you probably have some responses um, to Mayor Pro Tem. Yeah. Thank you, Ariana. Um, uh, and I did, I, sp I spoke with Tom earlier today, and the city does have a lot going on um, and some big topics that the city and the city staff is focused on. Completely acknowledge that. Um, and, you know, this would be us committing to this being a priority enough to put what would be an initial and clearly not known estimate around hours, um, assessed probably lower than 20. Um, there is some, there is a time constraint on this one. Uh, the semester starts January 29th. Uh, so giving that direction today and having some access to be able to gather that information so that they can have it to actually do the capstone project is important because if it's not us, they have to do a capstone project and it won't, it won't be us. It'll be something else. So I think it's that deadline around the 29th is important for that team to get what they need. Um, again, the majority of this plan is going to be actions that are found in other plans, regardless around how the city, uh, you know, what information they get from the city, but the city information that they do get will help form some of those actions and it's going to be important. So, um, you know, I think in this case, the ask would be to gather or give access to that information prior to January 29th, just so that that team can be committed to this as their capstone plan going into the new semester. You're not asking for any official action on behalf of the council tonight, though, that, that's correct? Just asking for this, the city to give access to that information uh, between now and January 29th to this team. I would request if we if we goes forward for for the people here tonight for tonight I'll be the point of contact um, and get me the information and uh, you'll find them be a stickler 
there's going to be deadlines, and and if you if you don't meet them, I'll move on to something else. But uh, um, just for tonight, and then once I have a point of contact with the group, should council give us that direction with that caveat, um, we'll find a more appropriate point of contact. But just for the sake of everything tonight, should I get that direction from council? We'll, okay. uh, we'll do that. And I'm looking at the city attorney. Is that is what the expectation would be? I think I think to frame the issue, I think tonight the ask is just that the city work with these folks to give them information. I think um, hearing no objections from the council members, I think we're fine. I think the city manager uh, understands that and we can move forward. But in the future, if we want to look at a plan and how the council is involved in creating that plan and adopting that plan, that's something we'll need to re-agendize and get it, get it on for formal action. So okay. just to repeat that, thank you, Mike. Uh, so the ask would be for um, the Chapman student group to have access to get the information they need by January 29th so they can commit to this capstone project. Is there any objections to that? Okay, I'll, I will ask. Thank you. Sorry. Um, Councilmember Gutierrez. Thank you, Mayor, and thank you for your ask, Councilmember Gillingheimer. Um, and this group, you invited me to meet with this group <clears throat> a couple of months ago, but my sickness is continuing, hadn't been able to meet, but I finally was able to meet with them last week, and I was very impressed with them. I was able to meet the professor who's going to be running the capstone class as well. Uh, many of the speakers that are here, I met them for the first time as well. I learned about some, I learned about so many things, and um, what was more important to me that this was driven, as you said, by residents of our city. Um, your, uh, the uh, chairman is a resident in my district, right? So, I mean, this is just a person that's passionate about our, um, our city being green, being sustainable, bringing great ideas. So I appreciated that. And, and that was the take that I got, that this ask of yours tonight, bringing this forward, was um, more of a, can we come to an agreement that these students would be able to look at our data? And, and I did share with them, we are strapped with staff time. I shared with that immediately. I knew the city manager would say that um, because we are, we're short staffed. We, and, um, but this is something that we, as a, as a dais here, as seven member council, have to decide if this is important enough. And, and um, listening to the joint powers of authority and listening to our speakers and um, the state of the way we are currently with, um, um, excuse me, my <coughs> voice is not working very well, but just the state that we are with our energy, we really, um, I really am proud of the things that they want to commit to. And I, for one, uh, would love for them to have access to our data, what that looks like, how we need to work it, for them to be able to attain that so they can start their semester on January 29th. Um, that was something definitely, City Manager, you'll have to look at. But again, it would be of no cost to us. I mean, that was what's the most fantastic thing. Plans that other cities are paying $400,000 for, we would be able to get it for free from our great partnership with our with Chapman University. So that is, is a like you said, start with that first. So that was fantastic. Um, and just their, their drive and their willingness to come and look at our data, help us out, and, and give us many different options. I mean, nothing that tonight we're adopting anything or, or, or um, voting on it. It's just, are we agreeable to have this partnership and have them look at our data? 
and help uh, create a plan for us. And I think that that is not hard ask. It's just gonna be some staff time to gather that data, but they will interpret the data and they will then come back and report out to us as to what they have found, which I think you can't beat that with a stick. And I'm sorry, <clears throat> my voice is a lot working today, but thank you. And thank you so much for meeting with this group for the past couple of months. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to meet sooner, but I was very impressed and I definitely will be back to some of your meetings. Thank you. Thank you, Council Member. Council Member Tavalaris. Uh, Jack, just out of the box thinking, um, uh, Councilman Gillahammer mentioned grants, and I don't know if this opens up anything. I know you're handling the Townsend contract now in terms of if the city goes forward with something like this, does it open it up? Maybe we want to ask them to start looking for grants that have to do with with this. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we, if this is something that comes, comes through and it's something the city ultimately has as an asset, then we can certainly bring that to Townsend. Um, as part of the grants list, we actually had a climate action plan on that. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that those are competitive, but they're providing this opportunity. So that's something where the city is actually... Maybe having Chapman about. involved will, will help us with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Councilmember Billado. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank Councilman Gillenhammer for bringing this forward. I think this is a great partnership. I see many uh, friends and neighbors here in the audience tonight. You know who you are. Um, I, w I did want to take the opportunity to put in a plug for the uh, Orange County Water District and the Orange County Sanitation District, who currently operate the groundwater replenishment system, which uh, recharges our groundwater aquifer um, using... Um, all of the uh, sewer water that is produced in Orange is recycled down in Fountain Valley and then reused. And as a result, um, the city's able to, 85% uh, uh, of the water that we use is from our groundwater aquifer. So very little is actually imported now from the Colorado River. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal for energy uh, use in particular. And uh, we in Orange County operate the largest water recycling plant in the world. And we should all be very proud of that. And if anybody would ever want a tour of that plant in Fountain Valley, you can contact me. I'll be happy to provide one for you uh, myself. So anyways, uh, and again, thank you again. And I agree with uh, Councilwoman Barrios that uh, we need to do this now because it's going to be mandated at some point. So thank you very much. And I'll just chime in at the, at the end here. And thank you, Councilmember Gillenhammer, for bringing this forward. I, it's very proactive, it's forward thinking. I'm super excited about it. It's something every city should be doing and I don't want us to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs and be the last one as, as uh, oftentimes we are. So this, this gives me a lot of hope and the best part of all is it's a bargain too good to pass up, uh, like the park in North Orange that we purchased earlier this year. That was an opportunity we couldn't pass up. So despite the fact... You're going to lose Council Hang in there. Um, so anyway, I'm all excited. This is fantastic. I really appreciate Chapman University for, for your help with this uh, as well. And so with that, um, are there any council members that are having any problem with this? Seeing none, I think you're, uh, you're a green light. And uh, City Manager, I will work with you to, yes? Yep. <laughs> Business card is, is ready. So, thank you. Thank you all very much. Councilmember? Gillenhammer, you had 
Yeah, I, I just want to say one thing. Um, I wanted to thank uh, Tom. Tom has a lot on his plate right now, and there's a lot of priorities he needs to juggle, and he has to, to get priorities from all seven of us. Um, so, Tom, I acknowledge that, and um, you know, I, I just wanted to give you recognition right now for this moment because I put more work on your plate. But, but in general, I think you're doing an outstanding job leading this city, leading the city staff, um, and navigating through a lot of things that take a lot of time and stress. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. But it's, uh, it's not me. It's the people that work there that do it. So thank you. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Okay. We'll move on to item number six. Uh, do any council members have any AB1234 reports uh, to report out? Seeing none, move to item seven, administrative reports, which most of you have been waiting for. Item 7.1, establishment of permit parking area AA to be comprised of both sides of Riles Lane and the West City limit to Bob White Way, both sides of Bob White Way between Riles and Park, Park Ridge, Partridge Lanes and both sides of the 200 block of Renee Street, resolution number 11508. And uh, do we want a uh, staff report? Seeing none, we'll give you guys a, a pass. Uh, do we have any speakers? I will uh, open the public hearing and uh, ask Lorena Hopp to please come forward. Hi, so we are... Um, for this, and I just wanted to say on behalf of my neighbors on Riles and Renee Street, um, a lot of us are here tonight. Um, we wanted to say thank you for taking our matter seriously. Uh, the fantastic Dave Allenbach and everyone in Public Works wow. Department was very helpful and empathetic towards our situation. Um, they supported our neighborhood efforts and we just haven't felt safe in our streets in years, and we're very excited to have our neighborhood back. Um, and just so grateful, really. Like, when I look at the street, and I just wanna cry because we're contributing members of society, and we love Orange, and we wanna stay in Orange, and so we just felt like it was worth it to fight for our little neighborhood um, to stay here and just be a community again. So just so thank you so much. Okay, thank you everybody. Merry Christmas, thank you. Thank you, Lorena, for your comments. And thank you for representing your entire neighborhood. It's fantastic. Okay, uh, I'll bring it back. Uh, sir, did you want to speak? Did, yeah, as soon as you, uh, just give us your name, please, and then uh, fill out, see the city clerk after you. Ruben Lucero. I live on Avenue de Palmar. So um, what if the parking migrates to my street? <laughs> okay, there's... Uh, so do I got to do the same thing? There's you know, a solution for that, and we'll explain that. Uh, if you have any That's other it. questions? Okay, Can you please see the city clerk, sir? sir? Just if you could please see the city clerk, give her your name. Okay, uh, we'll bring it back to the city council and um, to this gentleman is finished, then we can answer his question. Does any other council members have any questions or comments in the meantime? 
All right. Yes. Uh, of city staff, um, in reading this report and then driving down Hughes, because I live off Hughes, I do see many commercial trucks parked on Hughes, on Rancho Santiago, many places. So what are our city ordinances? And, I, and sometimes, I, because we have the county pocket there, the North uh, Almadena um, um, uh, pocket there, over where I see those trucks parked, which is getting close to bond. So I don't know if that's county or if that's city. And what is our city ordinances in allowing these big, I'm talking big, commercial trucks parked out on our streets, um, sometimes the whole weekend or a whole night? They're very obtrusive, very big. So I'm just curious, what is our ordinance? Are they allowed to park there? Uh, Councilman, uh, no, uh, we do have an ordinance that does prohibit large commercial trucks from parking on the street uh, other than for loading or unloading freight. Um, and that's more of an enforcement issue. Um, and it would be um, something that the police would handle on a per complaint basis. And would that be the same for county? Because I'm, I'm wondering that stretch of Hughes, which is right before you get to Bond, so between Walnut and Hughes, they get a lot of commercial trucks there because I come through there a lot and that like, just blocks my view and I can't see and there's just so many of them there. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen them on Rancho. So would that be something that I need, we need to speak to the county about as well? Uh, yes, uh, we don't have the jurisdiction there, and I'm not sure if the county does have a large truck ordinance, um, but uh, yeah, we could contact them and see if there's anything that can be done there. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. I see this gentleman left who had the question, so well, we, we, can, uh, we can continue. Okay. We have a motion uh, by Councilmember Gillenhammer, a second by Councilmember Gutierrez to approve uh, parking area AA. Any other discussion or questions? Seeing none, please vote. As approved unanimously, congratulations. <clears throat> okay, uh, item eight, reports from city manager. Well, good evening, Mayor, members of the City Council. It's, it's been a while, so I thought it'd be uh, um, a good uh, opportunity to have code enforcement, uh, code compliance, give you an update on short-term rentals and, and our street vendors. So, uh, Rafael? Good evening, Mayor, City Council. Uh, so just a recap of some information. So in August of 2023, we hired two full-time code enforcement officers uh, Armando Cervantes and Cesar Herrera. We also contracted with a uh, code enforcement officer through Forley, and uh, those officers were tasked with uh, taking on the uh, short-term rental uh, program. Specifically, we uh, had 285 uh, cases open. The officers looked through all the data, looked through the various uh, uh, social media, uh, including some of our, our host compliance, which is one of our database uh, resources that we use to identify uh, illegal short-term rentals. Um, they essentially closed 264 cases. They currently have 20 active cases. Um, and uh, through the enforcement side, they've been able to deplatform 216. Wow. 
So they, they did an impressive job of certainly getting the numbers down and getting them uh, under control. In terms of short-term, I'm sorry, in terms of switching over to sidewalk um, vending enforcement uh, to date, we have uh, contacted 230 sidewalk vendors. Um, we have uh, only had four um, individuals inquire. Um, in fact, uh, earlier uh, this week, uh, we helped fill out an application for one of them. We're hoping uh, and hopeful that uh, they will ultimately submit an application uh, as they do have to come back with some additional um, information that we're, that's required as part of the ordinance. Um, they have done some impoundments um, as part of our enforcement. Um, we have uh, fielded over 200 uh, calls uh, for service uh, from the residents, uh, specifically regarding uh, sidewalk vendors. And then just adding um, to the uh, mobile food truck trailer ordinance that was uh, subsequently adopted a few months um, after the sidewalk vending ordinance went through, uh, we have contacted a total of 38 uh, uh, food truck um, operators and uh, essentially six have recently applied and they're going through the review process for the designated locations that they're proposing. And uh, in terms of uh, any additional uh, calls, I mean, we've, we've fielded over 30 calls from residents related to food truck trailer um, operators. And that uh, concludes uh, an overview of the program. Thank you, Rafael. We have a uh, question or two, uh, sure. Councilmember Tavalos. Thank you, Rafael. A um, couple questions. You said you had um, one applicant for one street potential vending. Applicant. Correct. Is that the first and only one? It is the only one. Yes. Um, and not turned in yet. And not Correct. turned in yet. Yeah. So pending. Pending. Um, thank you. Um, for all the impounds that you and the county have done, basically us now doing it. Correct. Um, is that stuff still in storage? Do you dispose of the food? How are you doing that? Remind me. Sure. We dispose of the food uh, and we hold on to their equipment for the prescribed amount of time, depending on whether we're uh, in uh, doing an enforcement in conjunction with the Orange County Health Department. We hold it for 30 days. Um, if, it, if we're doing it on our own, then it's 60 days um, that we're holding it uh, for an appeal period. And then we hold it an additional amount of time, which is uh, an additional 60 days. So in total, approximately 120 days uh, that we're holding this, this equipment for the, uh, uh, the, uh, the unlicensed uh, and unpermitted sidewalk vendor to come back and reclaim their items if they so question. choose to. And some, just some questions I'm getting from residents. They can go onto the 24-7 app obviously 24 seven yeah. and report something um, weekends nights you guys will definitely answer those uh, those requests correct even if they're in the middle of the night or whatever that is correct we are we are monitoring them and during the uh, specific uh, weekend uh, nights from Friday to Sunday we have officers through our contract services with four leave are out um, uh, contacting sidewalk vendors if they are out there, um, including our mobile food truck trailer operators. Um, when I when I use the twenty four seven app, usually you'll get an email back saying thank you, we got your up, you know, we got your um, report. Um, I haven't received any. Sometimes is, is that just because of the sheer volume of work that you guys are doing, and you're just too busy to reply to people? Uh, that's correct. And in, in some cases with the sidewalk vending, once we get that information, um, we would direct staff uh, at nighttime uh, mm -hmm. to respond and address the issue. But then uh, subsequently, I don't get a report till later on uh, in the week. Um, okay. And at that point, uh, we, we just haven't responded back uh, just to the sheer volume of, of calls that come in related to sidewalk vending. I think that's important to residents, obviously, sure. to, to find out if something I lastly, I want to say um, on the 
at the Home Depot Center on Tustin Avenue, right. on Tustin and Taft. Right. Um, there are some street vendors who um, hide right there on the underneath the <coughs> trees. Um, and I've reported three or four times, and they, st they still keep popping up. So I just wanted to share that with you. Um, and then regarding the STRs, uh, that's a huge uh, improvement <laughs> uh, from where we are. Do you see that continuing those numbers, or do you see it like the street vendors, where they're just going to go down to the right. to the bare minimum? So I think you know it's when we were uh, tasked with uh, taking on short-term rentals, um, we we just had a sheer volume of calls that came in. Um, since these officers have been assigned to the specific programs uh, since August, um, we've fielded about ten complaints uh, during that period of time, um, and so it, it, a lot of it was the backlog. Um, mm -hmm. And I think now that we have uh, two uh, twenty active cases, I think that's. Uh, reasonable in terms of the sheer amount of uh, STR operators, uh, in addition to uh, at any given time, an illegal uh, uh, STR operator will, will post something uh, through one of the various platforms that we monitor. So once once they've been caught or fined or whatever the term is, do you find just like street vendors, well, they'll just pop up somewhere else. For the STRs, are they popping up on other sites? They do, and we do monitor all 99 different platforms uh, through our provider. That, uh, as, well as, as well as our, um, <laughs> we have a, an agreement with um, some of the platforms um, who provide us with access to their system and tell us uh, basically when, when, and, and locations and and times that they're renting a, loca uh, a STR for listing. And are you purposes. collecting, or is the city collecting any kind of fine uh, fines? We have assessed fines against uh, a number of these uh, individuals. Um, you know, certainly they have the appeal process, and then there's some collections um, aspects um, to it. But we are assessing fines against some. So, of the these city operators. manager, I just think that's something just in the future to look at. I think it'll be interesting just to see. Just interesting, but I really want to thank you and your team because I, I know you guys are stretched, and there's just a lot going on. So, Absolutely. thank you. Sure. Councilmember Gutierrez. Thank you. And I echo that. I thank you and your team for all of your hard work and your hard efforts. How many deplatforming did you do for the STRs? 200 and what? 216. Wow. And is that just from monitoring the, um, the platforms or from complaints that you received or how did that come about? Uh, the 216 were specifically from the complaints that had been generated during the uh, time we were assigned to it. And then the, the team essentially just monitors it every day to see whatever comes up, and then they will deplatform it. Um, and issued notices, I mean, they've issued over 130 uh, notices of violations to uh, for a specific uh, a violation of our STR ordinance. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're monitoring it uh, daily, and as they come up, um, if they're not issuing notice, then they'll deplatform it through our agreement with um, the uh, hosting sites. Yeah, very good. And yes, definitely with those fines, we'd like to see a report what what can what comes of that, right? Um, sure. After the appeal process or whatnot. But getting back to the streetcart vendors, I'm I'm very happy to hear that um, you at least helped an individual fill out an application that is very important. And hopefully that individual will feel that they can come and turn that in. So you're treating them with respect and, and hopefully they will eventually come in and we'll get more people finally to sign up. And with the mobile street cars, you said like five of them have signed up? Total of six. Six have, yeah, have signed up. Everything's now, my question was, are they uh, um, under the same um, 
registration requirements as the street vendors where they have to get the ID, get fingerprinted, have uh, insurance, and all, and have, have their, um, what is it, their, um, what am I looking for? Their license, their business license, and then also the um, food, what is it, from the county? Uh, health county permit. Health. Yep. permit so Absolutely. all the similar as the very vendor. similar um, the only nuance with uh, with uh, mobile food truck trailer operators is that they can operate on private property so long as they have consent from the property owner or the specific business that may have a, uh, a, a user um, right to so like for example Home Depot um, or one of our larger um, locations where they may not own the land but they uh, are the, are a master tenant they can uh, they can certainly provide that authorization to food truck trailer operator and do on they private have, property do they have to show proof of that that they have authorization they do. They do. There's a there's a specific form that they'll have to submit to us, and then uh, the only other um, difference uh, with sidewalk vendors versus food truck trailer operators is that um, under California law, if they are at a location where there's public or private street for more than one hour where they're serving food, um, they have to have access to a licensed restroom facility, and that is also as part of our ordinance. They have to. Uh, submit a, a, an authorization form uh, that's uh, approved by uh, the health department at a uh, licensed facility uh, where they're going to have access to the restroom um, for um, and and so we we take in that application we review all of the approvals that are that are being given by a particular business that gave them the right to be there and you said that was for the mobile uh, that's for mobile uh, okay. uh, food truck trailer operators not for the streetcar not for sidewalk vendors correct. okay so yes i appreciate that and i'm very happy to hear that with the with the mobile that we have some people that are actually coming in and doing it all the right way so that way um, they will serve as examples and that makes me a lot happier and more at ease and i appreciate all of your hard effort and your team's hard effort i truly do and 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 continuing um with that respect of trying to get them to understand what our policies our procedures and let's do it the right way so i truly appreciate that thank you thank you one more councilmember gillenhammer Thank you, Mayor. Um, a lot of you know, not everyone knows, but for anyone listening, the League of California Cities is hosting several roundtables in the next few days, uh, focusing on uh, topics or issues that are important to California cities. There's going to be a roundtable on uh, street vending for all of Orange County cities, um, and it will be moderated by you. So I just wanted to say that because there's a reason why they chose you to moderate a roundtable on this topic. It's, it's due to your expertise and success in what you've been able to accomplish in the city. So you know state law, you wrote, you wrote and drafted the penal code for the city of Orange um, in the course of a handful of months. I think you've had a significant impact on two big issues that represent quality of life issues for the city. Um, and I think not only has there been a positive impact in the city, it's recognized regionally from a San Diego perspective earlier, and now you've been asked to moderate a roundtable for all of Orange County City. So that's a testament to what you've been able to do in Orange. For those watching, uh, there's been a material impact in both of these issues for the city um, to the extent that we have the person directing these now moderating for all of Orange County. So nice job. Sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, may, I, may, yes. may I just, um, so in listening to Raphael, you kind of put it in context, but I, I, you look at this, we're talking about just two things, street vending and um, STRs, and we have six, six people 
for 140,000 people, and that doesn't include graffiti. Last month, we had 288 reports of graffiti, um, and we have one person in public works that does the painting. Um, and I know, you know, you express some, express some frustration about why is it taking so long to get to it. Um, this is the problem. Um, we're also working with uh, the city attorney's office in, you know, if we have private property, technically they, there's a process, you give them three days, three or four days notice, they don't do anything, then you notice them three or four more days because everything this involves is a process. And it's a laborious process that, that takes time. Um, what we're looking to try and do is, is we have a contract company that we're paying a lot of money to, but because their contract, they're somewhat limited in scope and enforcement ability. So we're going to try and, and maybe wean ourselves off of them and hire some part-time people. Um, but the, uh, the demand for code enforcement, um, whether it be, you know, building codes, um, excuse me, or codes in, in our historic districts or, or other locations, um, the demand is through the roof. And I don't see it, quite frankly, slowing down. I see, if anything, um, more being put on their plate. So um, we're moving forward um, with, with the graffiti. Again, hopefully that um, this, uh, speak with the city attorney, in certain instances, um, the city will uh, go and paint it. But, but I want to make it clear to everybody, it's very challenging uh, getting restitution from some of, some of these individuals. Um, it, then we enter into the legal process, and then, you know, if, if we spent $300 on paint to do this person's lawn, but in staff time we're spending $5,000, we got to look, what's the benefit? Um, but I don't think we should automatically, uh, you know, just give somebody a pass on it. I think we need to hold them accountable. Um, we'll do the best we can. Again, we only can get certain colors of paint, but, but we'll try and do that. Um, and hit our, our what we call our, our frequent either uh, victim homes or however we want to talk, uh, deal with it more import, uh, more frequently um, and try to get the, those individuals the help they need. So um, they're doing an excellent job. Um, Raphael is, you know, uh, a workaholic. Uh, Russell's doing a great job leading that group. Um, but again, there's, uh, you know, I keep coming back to you with Rover. There, there's a lot of work to be done. The ship is a big ship, and and uh, you know everybody's working their their butts off for everybody. But it's going to take a long time, longer to st uh, to turn this big ship. So, thank you. Um, thank you. I know that uh, you and your staff are making a lot of progress, and uh, we all appreciate that very much. And just a comment on graffiti. Um, you know, the best prevention is getting rid of it as soon as possible, in my opinion. And that's what's going to make the citizens the happiest as well. So just, you know that. I've mentioned that to you a couple times. So. <laughs> um, did you have anything else to report out tonight? Yes. Um, goes back to, uh, again, some of the challenges we're facing. We had a, uh, a uh, mailing go out to about 500 people in count in the city and discuss the uh, um, business licensing. Um, basically, um, it was an effort to try to, um, number one, remind people to pay their business licenses and to notify some of those people that are delinquent. Um, the letter went out without being proofread. Uh, the, letter, the letter went out at a very um, um, lower end, um, lower level staff individual 
Um, there's no excuse for that. But again, that's the culture here. You know, we're, we're trying to implement um, a change and in, in, in get the critical thinking aspect um, involved. And, um, you know, it didn't go up to the director. Um, and again, these are, these are, these are, I've said it before when, you know, this particular department is down three or four people in critical spots. It's not an excuse for this, but it's part of the process that feeds into how these things happen. Um, I've, I've talked about in the past where, um, you know what, we could take care of the big things, little things happen. There's no excuses for this. We're putting, uh, we're putting, um, measures in place so it doesn't happen again. Um, I've already talked to the department heads that are talking to their individuals and we're going to put out a, uh, we're going to, we're already got it on our website. We're going to clean it up, but also, okay, we screwed up this time, but you got to pay your business license. And, um, we will put out a, at a, uh, the right time, a very clear letter that explains what you need to do. Um, and, um, make sure that uh, these things are vetted as they as they go out in the future. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. So are you saying that anyone that received one of these letters, and, and I received three of those myself, um, should just wait for further notice? Yeah, that's correct. Just we're, we're, we, we've put a hard stop on everything, and right now we're trying to uh, sort through, and then uh, we'll, as uh, soon as we can work out all the details of what went wrong and how to correct it, then we'll start uh, putting those uh, notices out again. Thank you very much. Mayor Pro Tem Barrios. I had some specific questions. I had some specific questions relative to this, and I'm going to start by saying this is why I'm a proponent for stopping our recognition of longevity and start recognizing great customer service because someone can sit in a chair forever and do things like this and embarrass us all and still be rewarded. Whereas by customer service, you, you get rewarded for doing a great job. And for people, even if you're at the lowest end of the totem pole, that's what we should be recognizing every day. That's what changes the culture. Mm -hmm. And I know you are working so hard at that. So I give you a great deal of props for that. The letter we got from a constituent, and I know from what the mayor said, that multiples went out. Is that because that was an error in, in like multiple properties or that it was just, I don't know, the machine spit out and had a good time. Like, do we know that yet? What, what happened? It, yeah. Part of it, our code says uh, three issues with that or three comments on it. One, if you own a house that's a rental that used to be in a business district that you may be subject to getting these letters. Now we're not saying, you have to, it applies to, our code says it applies to <coughs> three plex or higher. Okay. Historically, it's only been, uh, we've really only enfor enforced a fourplex. But that's part of that weeding out process. Now, okay. I would say what I just said, I wouldn't take it as gospel. That's, that's that first blush of, sure. of dissecting. And that's why was. the resident who contacted us and said, oh, we've been in arrears for 20 years. How have we never heard of this? That's kind of where the break. Okay. So there's more to be uncovered there. Yes. Which if that was in the letter that the, that defined it, if it was a, that would have alleviated. Right. And as you know, the letter wasn't proofread, which is another issue. Did these letters come out directly from the city or do we have a contractor? 
uh, third party contractor. So I would like the third party contractor pulled up by the back of the head and just said, how dare you let this go out on our behalf? That there is no quality control on their part. I am a third party contractor to many, many cities. I would be humiliated if this went out. And honestly, whatever we're paying them should be taken off our bill for next month. Like, I'm sorry, we're not paying you. So I think there's a number of things that can happen here that would, um, you know, nothing can change the fact that some people were probably very, very disappointed, scared, or nervous about what was sent to them. And um, I'm sure we're going to have people mailing in checks that were like, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, but it, it's, I think there's going to, I, I feel for the staff that has to deal with this, but I think that the contractor bears some um, responsibility as well. That is our job is to protect our clients from themselves. Um, so I think that they can own some of this too. Absolutely. <clears throat> Thank you, City Manager. As always, we know you're on top of things. We appreciate it. All right. With that, um, the next regular City Council meeting will be held on Tuesday, January 9th, 2024 at 6 p.m. in the Council Chambers with closed session beginning at 5 p.m. if necessary. Meantime, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. We're adjourned. <clears throat>